Hello and welcome to Newman's Thoughts, a multimedia reading project from the Newman Institute for Catholic Thought and Culture to promote the thoughts and ideas of our patron saint, John Henry Newman. I'm Patrick Callahan, director of the Newman Institute. Today is day eight, and I'm reading section two of Discourse One to St. John Henry Newman's The Idea of a University. I'm reading from the Cluny Media edition of The Idea of a University. You can follow along with this or any other edition, or even online via our daily email. St. John Henry Newman, The Idea of a University, Discourse 1, Section 2. There are several reasons why I should open the discussion with a reference to the lessons with which past years have supplied me. One reason is this. It would concern me, gentlemen, were I supposed to have got up my opinions for the occasion. This indeed would have been no reflection on me personally, supposing I were persuaded of their truth, when at length addressing myself to the inquiry, but it would have destroyed, of course, the force of my testimony, and deprived such arguments, as I might adduce, of that moral persuasiveness which attends on tried and sustained conviction. It would have made me seem the advocate, rather than the cordial and deliberate maintainer and witness, of the doctrines which I was to support. And though it might be said to evidence the faith I reposed in the practical judgment of the Church, and the intimate concurrence of my own reason with the course she had authoritatively sanctioned, and the devotion with which I could promptly put myself at her disposal, it would have cast suspicion on the validity of reasonings and conclusions which rested on no independent inquiry, and appealed to no past experience. In that case, it might have been plausibly objected by opponents that I was the serviceable expedient of an emergency, and never, after all, could be more than ingenious and adroit in the management of an argument which was not my own, and which I was sure to forget again as readily as I had mastered it. But this is not so. The views to which I have referred have grown into my whole system of thought, and are, as it were, part of myself. Many changes has my mind gone through. Here it has known no variation or vacillation of opinion, and though this by itself is no proof of the truth of my principles, it puts a seal upon conviction and is a justification of earnestness and zeal. Those principles which I am now to set forth under the sanction of the Catholic Church were my profession at that early period of my life, when religion was to me more a matter of feeling and experience than of faith. They did but take greater hold upon me, as I was introduced to the records of Christian antiquity and approached in sentiment and desire to Catholicism, and my sense of their correctness has been increased with the events of every year since I have been brought within its pale. And here I am brought to a second and more important reason for referring on this occasion to the conclusions at which Protestants have arrived on the subject of liberal education. To the conclusions at which Protestants have arrived on the subject of liberal education. And it is as follows. Let it be observed, then, that the principles on which I would conduct the inquiry are attainable, as I have already implied, by the mere experience of life. They do not come simply of theology. They imply no supernatural discernment. They have no special connection with revelation. They almost arise out of the nature of the case. They are dictated even by human prudence and wisdom. Though a divine illumination be absent, and they are recognized by common sense, even where self-interest is not present to quicken it. And therefore, though true and just and good in themselves, they imply nothing whatever as to the religious profession of those who maintain them. They may be held by Protestants as well as by Catholics. Nay, there is reason to anticipate that in certain times and places they will be more thoroughly investigated and better understood and held more firmly by Protestants than by ourselves. 
It is natural to expect this from the very circumstance that the philosophy of education is founded on truths in the natural order. Where the sun shines bright in the warm climate of the south, the natives of the place know little of safeguards against cold and wet. They have indeed bleak and piercing blasts. They have chill and pouring rain, but only now and then, for a day or a week, they bear the inconvenience as they best may. But they have not made it an art to repel it. It is not worth their while. The science of calefaction and ventilation is reserved for the North. It is in this way that Catholics stand relatively to Protestants in the science of education. Protestants, depending on human means mainly, are led to make the most of them. Their sole resource is to use what they have. Knowledge is their power and nothing else. They are the anxious cultivators of a rugged soil. It is otherwise with us. Funes cicidoront mihi in placlades. The measuring lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. We have a goodly inheritance. This is apt to cause us. I do not mean to rely too much on prayer and the divine blessing, for that is impossible. But we sometimes forget that we shall please him best and get most from him when, according to the fable, we put our shoulder to the wheel. When we use what we have by nature to the utmost, at the same time that we look out for what is beyond nature in the confidence of faith and hope. However, we are sometimes tempted to let things take their course, as if they would in one way or another turn up right at last for certain. And so we go on, living from hand to mouth, getting into difficulties and getting out of them, succeeding certainly on the whole, but with failure in detail, which might be avoided, and with much of imperfection or inferiority in our appointments and plans, and much disappointment, discouragement, and collision of opinion in consequence. If this be in any measure the state of the case, there is certainly so far a reason for availing ourselves of the investigations and experience of those who are not Catholics, when we have to address ourselves to the subject of liberal education. Nor is there surely anything derogatory to the position of a Catholic in such a proceeding. The Church has ever appealed and deferred to witnesses and authorities external to herself, in those matters in which she thought they had means of forming a judgment, and that on the principle, quique in arte sua credendum. Each man is to be trusted in his own special art. She has even used unbelievers and pagans in evidence of her truth, as far as their testimony went. She avails herself of scholars, critics, and antiquarians who are not of her communion. She has worded her theological teaching in the phraseology of Aristotle, Aquila, Symmachus, Theodotion, Origen, Eusebius, and Apollinaris, all more or less heterodox, have supplied materials for primitive exegetics. St. Cyprian called Tertullian his master. St. Augustine refers to Ticonius. Bousset, in modern times, complimented the labors of the Anglican bull. The Benedictine editors of the Fathers are familiar with the labors of Fell, Usher, Pearson, and Beveridge. Pope Benedict XIV cites according to the occasion the works of Protestants without reserve, and the late French collection of Christian apologists contains the writings of Locke, Burnet, Tillotson, and Pally. If, then, I come forward in any degree as borrowing the views of certain Protestant schools on the point which is to be discussed, I do so, gentlemen, as believing first that the Catholic Church has ever, in the plenitude of her divine illumination, made use of whatever truth or wisdom she has found in their teaching or their measures, and next, that in particular places or times her children are likely to profit from external suggestions or lessons which have not been provided for them by herself. Thanks for listening to Newman's Thoughts. To discover more about today's readings, 
or to download this season's reading guide, visit www.newmansthoughts.com. This has been a production of the Newman Institute for Catholic Thought and Culture, an apostle of the Diocese of Lincoln in partnership with St. Gregory the Great Seminary and the UNL Newman Center, St. Thomas Aquinas Church.